Another year is officially here. Unfortunately, many of us are still paying bills from last year. Do you have some debt you would love to wipe out? My friends at Liberty Coin and Currency can help. Take a look around for unwanted, old, or even broken valuables that can be turned into useful money in 2016, like single earrings, broken necklaces, or an old watch, silver serving sets, loose diamonds, or jewelry from a past relationship. All could be worth surprising amounts of money. Go to one of Liberty Coin and Currency's three locations for your free, no-obligation evaluation. Liberty Coin and Currency, it's the place to buy and sell your gold, silver, jewelry, coins, and diamonds. You're listening to Carl in the Morning on 107.1 and 91.1 KXRY, Portland, X-Ray FM. You think Ebola is bad now? Just wait. Republicans were not elected to govern. He does represent a very radical part of the left. That same part of the left where President Obama comes from. Sit down and shut up. Here's Carl. Good morning. Happy Monday to you. Seven o'clock. You are listening, swallowing coffee. They're listening to KXRY Portland. 107.1, 91.1 FM, online everywhere at xray.fm. I'm Carl Wolfson along with Katie. Uh, what? Jen Chavez. Well, you have the same middle name. Did you know that? Really? Nicole? Oh, I didn't. We find, I was filling out tax forms. Katie Nicole Bush. Oh. Jen Nicole Chavez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that bizarre? It's a little bizarre. Ryan Nicole never, Stroyer with us I, as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you never I, knew that? No, I, I, I'm, I, I'm not super fond of my middle name, mm. but it's okay. It's not really bad. No, I like know. Nicole. Yeah, thanks. Nicole is nice. Thanks. And good to have That's you me. with us. Yeah. And as always, we thank our title sponsor, Liberty Coin and Currency, thank the place you. for coins, gold, and jewelry. Get up there for your free, no-obligation evaluation, libertycoinandcurrency.com. In fact, three locations for you. Check those out. Also at the website, libertycoinandcurrency.com. 503-233-X-RAY. We have a packed show today. Good morning, Ryan. Good morning, Carl. And good morning again, Jen. Thank you. Good morning Chavez. (laughs) And we have on the line, it's a great way to start a Monday, our East Coast Den leader, Judy in Mawa, New Jersey, Judy Faulkner, and our West Coast Den leader, Aileen Kay in Turner, Oregon. Good morning. Hello. Hi. Well, this is a really sad day for us and progressives in Oregon and all over the country because we're losing another progressive voice and our favorite progressive voice. And uh, I've listened to your show Every day since you started, which I think was 2007. February uh, 14th, 2007. And uh, I'm very proud to have served as your West Coast Den leader. Done a magnificent job. (laughs) And they speak for all of us, plus our crazy about Carl fan club, Uh which you have come down and met with us. I have. And had fun. And when you announced the end of the Carl in the Morning show, this is how we felt. I'm glad you're using the red box. That's what that is, right? 
Thank you, Aileen. uh, And Judy? Yes. um, I, too, got hooked on your show in 2007, although I didn't discover it until June when I was in Portland for GA. Mm -hmm. But I've been hooked ever since. Thank you. And we want to thank you for all the knowledge you've given us, uh, historical facts, explanations of current events, humor, opinions. You keep us in touch with Oregon's elected officials. You help them get elected. Uh, whenever we in Marion County asked you to emcee an event or have lunch with us, you were here. Uh, every time we asked you to cover an issue, like our proposed Marion County ballot measure, you were our cheerleader, and every time we asked you to interview somebody down here, you obliged and did a yeoman's job, studied everything about that person, and did a just fabulous interview. And I just want you to know my favorite memory is, I don't even know if you know that you remember you did this, but uh, there was some kind of regional Democratic event in Albany. And just before you went up to speak, you showed me the back of your notebook that had our uh, county ballot measure on it. Aileen, thank you so much. And it's been my pleasure to speak for you and for Judy and uh, right back at you, as I've said to so many people who have uh, reached out to me over the past couple weeks. uh, You guys are my heroes. You folks on the ground who have walk the walk and been precinct captains and carried your values with you every day including in elections and campaigns you're my heroes and you'll have spokespeople on this radio station and others to speak for you aileen and the truth is i have to accept a nomination of the supreme court uh i got the call from (laughs) president obama this morning i've had my robe all measured and uh, i gotta go (laughs) and judy has some things to say thank you aileen hey judy thank you well, hello, and I agree. You are a, a, a bulwark of the progressive community from Oregon to the East Coast and back again. And I depend on you. I don't know what I'm going to do now to fill in the backstory because the headlines in mainstream news are all hysterical. I mean, they cover the horse race, but you cover our history, both past and present, and you have wit and grace and your own incredible intelligence. And every morning you wake my brain up and then you nourish it with real information from you and your incredible guests. And that is way too lacking in this information age. And you take the time to do the research and check the facts. And I love facts, which is one of the reasons I love you. Well, thank you, but Judy. Thank I refuse you so much. to say goodbye. Um, I'll be around. And, and Judy, you will. You, and um, it, w- w- I think you speak for a lot of people who are like-minded who who want to think and know history and you know see all sides of an issue even though we come from a progressive point of view uh respectful thinking and that's how we've tried to conduct our show over the last nine years and the fact that it's attracted people such as you and aileen is uh, our greatest testament no question Uh, judy yes love you back uh, I want you to sit back and enjoy today's show because it's packed. Oh, good. And thank you so much. We'll be in touch, and uh, you will see Absolutely. me around. Trust me. 
Thanks okay. so much, Judy. East Coast and West Coast Den yep. leaders, Judy okay. Faulkner Have and a great Aileen show. Kay. We'll be listening. Thank you so much. And let's okay. get into, I really appreciate it, uh, 503-233-X-Ray. Let's get into the news and commentary uh, from Tim Bean at Liberty Capital. I want to thank Tim for all his support of this show, for all of your investment needs. Contact Tim at LibertyCapInv.com. Before we get into, and I want to spend most of the first half hour here on uh, the two big stories, Antonin Scalia's death and consequences of that death and the Republican uh, clown show, which was the South Carolina debate on Saturday. Before that, uh, from the Oregonian, you might have seen, and I want to reinforce that the Oregon Senate approved increases to the minimum wage on Thursday night. The bill passed 16 to 12 with Senator Betsy Johnson voting with Republicans, but elections matter so betsy johnson's vote did not stop this legislation from going forward it now heads to the house the senate's six-year plan would give oregon the highest minimum wage rates in the nation 1475 inside portland's urban growth boundary 1350 in a middle tier that includes eugene and ben and 1250 in the sparsely populated frontier areas oregon's current minimum wage as you know is 925 the federal minimum is 725. The Senate deal, which was passed, replaces a deal reached by Governor Kate Brown and some business leaders for 1450 in the Portland area and 1325 elsewhere. Republicans, as expected, dragged out the debate for hours, did everything they could to try to stop it. And um, look, uh, I, I just think that the minimum wage increase makes sense. We have advocated here, advocated for it here for many years. It puts more money in the hands of consumers. You want to set this economy on fire, raise people's wages. It's the one element that is missing in our economic profile. Death of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, and from reports it will be ruled a heart attack. I guess, uh, and I put this up on Facebook, my best reaction to this was, to quote the great Clarence Darrow from his 1932 autobiography, The Story of My Life. Clarence Darrow wrote, I have never killed anyone, but I have read some obituary notices with great satisfaction. Well, Antonin Scalia, an originalist, a strict constructionist, you know, too often he used that view conveniently. I think he was an activist, conservative judge often. From those decisions, Bush v. Gore or Citizens United or Hobby Lobby or obliterating Section 5 of the Voting Rights Act overruling Congress, he was, in many cases, an activist judge of the court. Now, you have, I'm sure, also read that Republicans plan to block any nomination from President Barack Obama. Senator, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said, quote, the American people should have a voice in the selection of their next Supreme Court justice. Therefore, this vacancy should not be filled until we have a new president. Well, look, number one, Republicans are obstructionists. But here's what's really going on on their side from pure political calculations. Any senator that would even entertain an Obama nominee would face blowback in terms of a primary challenger from the right. That's what Republicans are scared of. 
Republicans that might be just conservative or moderately conservative, but not extreme. They're afraid of a right-wing challenge. Pat Toomey, Pennsylvania, Mark Kirk in Illinois. Should they even entertain a nominee from Barack Obama? That's the first political calculation. And the second is they want this to drive turnout among the right wing in the election. You get the presidency and the court. I suggested on Facebook that President Obama name an Hispanic nominee, let the Republicans block him or her, and thus alienate a huge chunk of voters. I suggested that if Hillary Clinton wins the presidency, she should point Barack Obama to the federal bench for life. That will truly break Republican brains. Having Hillary in the White House and Barack Obama on the Supreme Court, the best... The best that I have heard is Anita Hill. Love to have Alina Hill on the bench sitting next to Clarence Thomas. Maybe that'd be fun. President Obama referenced what the Republicans would do in seeking to block his appointment when he spoke after Scalia's death. Obviously today is a time to remember Justice Scalia's legacy. I plan to fulfill my constitutional responsibilities to nominate a successor in due time. There will be plenty of time for me to do so and for the Senate to fulfill its responsibility to give that person a fair hearing and a timely vote. These are responsibilities that I take seriously, as should everyone. They're bigger than any one party. They are about our democracy. They're about the institution to which Justice Scalia dedicated his professional life and making sure it continues to function as the beacon of justice that our founders envisioned. But at this moment, we most of all want to think about his family. And Michelle and I join the nation in sending our deepest sympathies to Justice Scalia's wife, Maureen, and their loving family a beautiful symbol of a life well-lived. Yesterday on ABC, Senator Chuck Schumer took Republicans to task. You know, the Constitution, Ted Cruz holds the Constitution uh, when he walks through the halls of Congress. Let him show me the clause that says the president's only president for three years. Does this mean we don't hold hearings on anything? The president shouldn't nominate cabinet ministers? It certainly might mean the Republicans shouldn't repeal Obamacare in the fourth year. And so our job is to go forward with the process, and then we'll see what happens. Um, Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders made outstanding statements. The best, though, in my opinion, came from Senator Elizabeth Warren. Three paragraphs. Senator McConnell is right that the American people should have a voice in the selection of the next Supreme Court justice. In fact, they did when President Obama won the 2012 election by 5 million votes. Article 2, Section 2 of the Constitution says the President of the United States nominates justices to the Supreme Court with the advice and consent of the Senate. I can't find a clause that says, quote, except when there's a year left in the term of a Democratic president, unquote. Senate Republicans took an oath, just like Senate Democrats did, abandoning the duties they swore to uphold would threaten both the Constitution and our democracy itself. It would also prove that all the Republicans talk about loving the Constitution 
is just that, empty talk. Thank you, Elizabeth Warren. Now, Mitch McConnell said, and I read you his quote, the vacancy, this vacancy should be filled, should not be filled in an election year. Well, the truth is that Mitch McConnell and Republicans did so on February 3rd, 1988, 97 to nothing. Democrats and Republicans in the Senate confirmed Ronald Reagan's nominee to the court, Anthony Kennedy. There's ample precedent for, uh, precedent for taking up a president's nominee in the last year of his presidency. CBS's uh, John Dickerson, who did a pretty good job of moderating that uh, children's debate in South Carolina on Saturday, tried to correct Ted Cruz about this. And, of course, the audience started to boo, of course, blame the media. Well, we have 80 years of precedent of not confirming Supreme Court justices in an election year. And, and let me say, Justice just, Scalia... Can I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Were any nomina- appointed in an election year? Or is that just there were 80 years? 80 years of, of not confirming. For example, LBJ nominated Abe Fortas. Fortas did, did not get confirmed. He was defeated. But Kennedy was confirmed in 88. No, Kennedy was confirmed in 87. Incorrect. He was, he was, appo- he was appointed in 87. He was appointed in 88. That's the question. Is it appointing or confirming? What's the difference? In this case, it's both. But if I could, could answer sorry, the question. Sorry, I just want to get the facts straight for the audience. I apologize. Yeah, in this case... Ted Cruz was full of you-know-what. Anthony Kennedy was confirmed on February 3rd, 1988, an election year. Now, what are the consequences of the 4-4 court right now? Immediate consequences are pretty good for liberals, pretty good for teachers' unions and unions in general. We've talked about Friedrich versus California Teachers Association expected a 5-4 ruling against fair share fees. Now, could be 4-4, which maintains the status quo. It's a big win for unions. Teachers who don't join unions will still have to pay fair share fees because they benefit from union-negotiated contracts. Remember, the what would have been 5-4 with Scalia to overturn the 1977 decision would have been outrageous. 1977, Abood v. Detroit Board of Education decided 9-0 by a generally Republican court. It found that non-union members can be assessed for fees or dues because of collective bargaining. They benefit from it. So you remember that President Obama has had many appointments to the appellate courts, and now... Those appellate court rulings will likely, if they're liberal, be upheld, more often than not, in a 4-4 court. Also, the clean power plan by the president. Remember, industry groups at 27 states are suing to overturn it. They say the EPA overstepped its authority under the Clean Air Act to regulate CO2. Well, now at 4-4, that plan's fate rests with the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the D.C. Circuit. That's good news for President Obama and I think the country. Now, even before, let me turn to this Republican debate, 503-233-X-Ray, if you'd like to weigh in on any of it. But even before the Republican clown show on Saturday, and boy, was it ever. Did you watch it, Ryan? Did you watch it, Jen? I I did not watch it. No, I did Oh, uh, well, Jen? 
sit back then if I, you didn't. I, I watched I watched some clips. Okay. I saw I saw some of the some of the guys. Okay. Um, well, yeah. even before sit back and enjoy then. Oh, great! Even before, I and I have to play this. Last Thursday, even before the clown show got underway on CBS, Marco Rubio on Thursday said this about Jeb Bush's lack of foreign policy credentials. The fact of the matter is Jeb has no foreign policy experience, none. Um, he just has no, no, no foreign policy experience, and he was governor a long time ago. The world has changed a lot in the last 10 years, and foreign policy has changed a lot in the last five years. Um, okay. Now, how did Jeb Bush respond to this? Okay, he's been accused of having a lack of foreign policy experience. Just listen to 42 seconds when he's asked about this the next day on Friday. When I was governor, we I was commander-in-chief of the National Guard. I visited Iraq and Afghanistan. The National Guard in Florida took, took, uh, took the responsibility of running Abu Ghraib prison. I walked those, that, uh, that prison. I saw the heroic effort of the citizen soldiers, soldiers taking care of, of uh, their job with with great distinction. I supported our guard in every possible way. Uh, I know a little bit about this because I was president, I was governor of the state of Florida. And frankly, Brian, I've also had a seat, you know, yeah, I've had a, I've had a brother who was president. I've had a father who was president and I learned from them a lot as well. Really? When you're accused of having a lack of foreign policy experience, you bring up Abu Ghraib and George W. Bush. Boy, that's going to help you a lot. Now, a Bush spokesman said the governor was referring to the prison post-scandal. But seriously, Abu Ghraib and George W. Bush, that's what you're going to throw out into the public square for your accomplishments? Quick call from Scott, who has a limerick. Scott, welcome to the show. Hi, Carl. Hi. Thanks. Thanks, and uh, so long. Um, I had... So a couple longer ones I emailed you, but uh, I've just had the sort of those couple snippets left over that I thought you'd like. Okay. Um, they're not actually full limericks; they're just portions. Anyway, through the long lens of history, you help solve the mystery of politically just where we are, and maybe on Reddit someday you'll get credit for coining the word gaydar. Yes. Man, if I had those uh, revenues coming in. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Give me one more before we move on, Scott. This is fun. Oh, okay. Uh, The bad behavior of others creates internal strife. But as you exit stage left, we won't play the fife. For you, like myself, won't be put on a shelf. It's the opening scene of the third act of life. Thank you, Scott, so much. I really, that's fun. Thank oh, you, thank Scott. You, I really appreciate it. Thanks for the call. And um, all calls welcome. 503-233-X-Ray. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, I claimed to have coined Gaydar back in the 70s and never got a nickel for it. Uh, let's get, before we even get to the debate, one other thing. Donald Trump on Friday threatened to sue Ted Cruz over his Canadian birth. The tweet from Trump, if Ted Cruz doesn't clean up his act, stop cheating and doing negative ads, I have standing to sue him for not being a natural-born citizen. That was uh, after a couple Trump tweets earlier on Friday. Quote, lying Trump, Cruz, lying Cruz put out a statement, Trump and Rubio are with Obama on gay marriage. Cruz is the worst liar, crazy or very dishonest. Perhaps all three. Another Trump tweet. 
How can Ted Cruz be an evangelical Christian when he lies so much and is so dishonest? Well, that carried over into the clown debate on Saturday. Just listen, Cruz versus Trump. Right now, today, as a candidate, he supports federal taxpayer funding for Planned Parenthood. I disagree with him on that. That's a matter you of principle. And I'll, and I'll tell you. You are the single biggest liar. You probably are worse than Jeb Bush. You are the single biggest liar. All right. This guy lied. Let me just tell you. This guy lied about Ben Carson when he took votes away from Ben Carson in Iowa. And he just continues. This guy will say anything. Nasty guy. Now I know why he doesn't have one endorsement from any right. of his colleagues. All right, right. John, I, I get to respond. Senator pick from the buffet there. He's a yeah. nasty guy. Now, Donald has this weird pattern. When you point to his own record, he screams, liar, liar, liar. If you want to go... Where did I support watch, it? Where did I support it? Hey, Ted, where did I support it? If you want to go and watch the video, go to our website, hey, Ted, tedcruz.org. Where did I support it, Ted? out no, of Donald's about a own mouth. When we where did I support it? You supported it when we were battling over defunding Planned Parenthood. You went on That's television a lot and of said nice. Planned Parenthood does wonderful things and we should not defund them. Well, it does do wonderful and, things, and, and, but not as it relates to abortion. So tell they me, what are the wonderful things? Excuse me. What are the wonderful things it does? There are wonderful things having to do with women's health. You see, you and I not disagree when it comes on that. To abortion. That's a, 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 not John, when it comes to abortion. That's where I John, the reason I tell you that. Hold on, gentlemen. I'm going to turn this car around. Well, the winner in the debate. Democrats. This went on all night. John Kasich was the one person who stood out, cheered for Medicaid expansion in the state. His tone was good. He said, we're not going to deport 11 million immigrants. I know he's still conservative, but he stood out. I don't know if it'll help him in South Carolina or in other states. I was actually cheering Trump a couple times, saying, you know, Planned Parenthood does do great stuff. I would include uh, services for women who have made a choice that includes abortion. But, you know, Trump was pushing back. Here's Trump versus Jeb. Obviously, the war in Iraq was a big, fat mistake. Yeah. All right? Now, you can take I it. I loved him shoving this down the throats of all those Republicans in South Carolina who helped put Bush in office twice. Get any way you want. And it took, Je- it took Jeb Bush, if you remember, at the beginning of his announcement, when he announced for president, took him five days. He went back. It was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. It took him five days before his people told him what to say. And he ultimately said it was a mistake. The war in Iraq, we spent $2 trillion, thousands of lives. We don't even have it. Iran is taking over Iraq with the second largest oil reserves in the world. Obviously, it was a mistake. So George Bush made a mistake. We so, can make mistakes, but that one was a beauty. We should have never been in Iraq. We have destabilized right. the Middle East. But so you, so I mean, so you, so you still think he should be impeached? I think it's my turn, isn't it? You do whatever you want. You call it whatever you want. I want to tell you, they lied. Okay. They said there were weapons of mass destruction. There Good for none, you, And Trump. they knew there were none. There were no weapons of mass okay. destruction. Okay, all right. I, 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 I'm, I'm not a Trump supporter. I find him loathsome, but he is very helpful in cases to point out. Here's more Trump versus Joe. I could care less about the insults that Donald Trump gives to me. It's blood sport for him. He enjoys it, and I'm glad he's happy about it. He but I am sick and tired, I am sick and tired of him going after my family. My dad is the greatest man alive in my mind. While, while mm. Donald Trump was building a reality TV show, my brother was building a security apparatus to keep us safe. And I'm proud of what he did. I love that He's Trump the said this. The World Trade mother. Center came yeah. out. You're right. Remember that. Hold on. Let me finish this. 
had the gall to go after my mother. That's not keeping Look, I won the lot. The World Trade Center came down on George Bush's watch. Again, good for Trump. I don't often agree with Mark. More. And I don't often agree with Ted, but I can in this case. The weakest person on this stage by far on illegal immigration is Jeb Bush. They come out of an act of love, whether you like it or not. He is the Jerry so weak. Springer show now. On illegal immigration, it's laughable, and everybody knows it. So, you know, this, this, this is the standard operating procedure to disparage me. That's fine. I don't really Spend care. a little more money on the commercials. But if you want to talk about weakness, you want to talk about weakness, it's weak to disparage women. It's weak to disparage Hispanics. I don't disparage. It's weak. It's weak to denigrate the disabled, and it's really weak to call John McCain a loser because he was a. I never called him. I don't. That is outrageous. He's an American hero. He also said about language. I've laid out my plan. He said about language. My language. Two days ago, he said he would take his pants off and moon everybody, and that's fine. Nobody reports that. He gets up and says that. And then he tells me, oh, my language was a little bit rough. Okay. My language. I think Governor the Republicans Kasich. are mooning the whole Governor country Kasich. here. Governor Kasich. Uh, now, you know, CBS did a pretty good job here with this debate. And John Dickerson, first of all, there were no questions about money in in politics, climate change. Uh, there was no question to Ted Cruz about his friends like Kevin Swanson calling for the execution of homosexuals. Uh, but the questions that were asked, I think, were pretty good. The problem is Republicans never answered the questions. Here was a question to Ted Cruz, which he totally ignored. Senator Cruz, you have promised to deport illegal aliens. Uh, you've also promised to reverse President Obama's executive action that gives temporary amnesty to illegals that were brought here by their parents as children. As president, you would have the names and addresses of the some 800,000 of those that have registered under that action. Now, you have said that in this country we shouldn't go door to door looking for illegals, but in this case, you'd have a list. Would you use it? Well, you know, your question highlights a, a sharp difference on immigration on this stage. Yeah, he didn't answer it. Never answered it. So many questions were not answered. They just pivot to it highlights this, and they go into their speech, and here was another fun moment in the clown show, Ted Cruz versus Marco Rubio on immigration. When that issue was being debated, Ted Cruz at a committee hearing very passionately said, I want immigration reform to pass. I want people to be able to come out of the shadows. And he proposed an amendment that would have legalized people here. Not only that, he proposed doubling the number of green cards. He proposed a 500% increase on guest workers. Now his position is different. Now, now he is a passionate opponent of all those things. So he either wasn't telling the truth then, or he isn't telling the truth now. But to argue he's a purist on immigration is just not true. Major, I, I get a response to that. Very quickly, All Senator right, Cruz. Senator Cruz, your response, Senator Cruz. You know, the lines are very, very clear. Marco, right now, supports citizenship for 12 million people here illegally. I oppose citizenship. Marco stood on the debate stage and said that, but I would note not only that. Marco has a long record when it comes to amnesty. In the state of Florida, Speaker of the House, he supported in-state tuition for illegal immigrants. In addition to that, Marco went on Univision in Spanish and said he would not rescind President Obama's illegal executive amnesty on his first day in office. I have promised to rescind every single illegal executive action, including that one. How do you know they're illegal? They haven't been tested in court yet. And on the 
By the way, Ted Cruz has already judged Planned Parenthood, a criminal organization. He leaps to judgments and claims to love the Constitution. He knows what I said on Univision because he doesn't speak Spanish. And second of all, <laughs> the other point that I would make... <laughs> I think that was Trump. This is, look, this is a disturbing pattern now because for a number of weeks now, Ted Cruz has just been telling lies. He lied about Ben Carson in Iowa. He lies about Planned Parenthood. He lies about marriage. He's lying about all sorts of things. And now he makes things up. The bottom line is this is a campaign and people are watching it and they see the truth behind all these issues. And here's the truth. Ted Cruz supported legalizing people that were in this country that illegally, is simply and only now does he say he that, that is absolutely Major. false. What he said is knowingly false. Hmm. Well, I guess for one more time on the air, I get to play this. Meet your 2016 Republican candidates for president. Yep. Well, uh, you know, you can sum this up. It was Trump versus Jeb, Trump versus Cruz, Cruz versus Rubio. Ben Carson uh, was, I guess, along for the ride there on the end. He made no sense whatsoever, showed no grasp um, of, um, you know, uh, of anything, especially uh, foreign policy. Uh, I'm not sure why he is still in the race. Uh, as I said, John Kasich was the voice of reason among conservatives. And, um, you know, there were actual times when, uh, you know, I was glad Trump was there, saying that Bush was president on 9-11 when the cowers came down. It, it's correct to preserve Social Security and Medicare, uh, and he was correct on trade. Uh, but that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, performance by Republicans was not good for their already tarnished brand, was not good for the party at all. And I, I saw Trey Gowdy and others afterwards saying, come on, we got to get together or we're going to lose. Well, I hope they keep up with the clown show. And I'll tell you how extreme, for instance, Ted Cruz is. Three Texas newspapers have endorsed Republican candidates other than Ted Cruz a senator from their own state. That's right. The Dallas Morning News on Friday announced its endorsement of John Kasich. The editorial board wrote, quote, as much as we'd like to see a Texan in the White House, we fear that Cruz's brand of politics is more about disruption than governing and threatens to take the Republican Party to a dark place, unquote. The Houston Chronicle, Cruz's hometown major daily, endorsed Jeb Bush, saying, quote, either Cruz or Trump would be disastrous for the Republican Party, disastrous for the nation. And the San Antonio Express News also endorsed Bush. By the way, the San Antonio Express News was the paper that broke the Antonin Scalia story, that he had died. And I read an interesting uh, story about how they uh, indeed got that story got it confirmed before we end news and commentary today i love and maybe it's it's just serendipitous timing but there's a new hbo movie coming out the first trailer is out for it it's called confirmation starring carrie washington as anita hill 
The centerpiece is her accusations of sexual harassment against Supreme Court nominee Clarence Thomas way back in the day. Wendell Pierce co-stars as Clarence Thomas, Allison Wright as his wife Virginia, and Greg Kinnear as then-Senator Joe Biden. Here's the trailer. We've got people all over the country saying, hey, President Obama nominates Anita Hill for SCOTUS. During the fall of 1982, Judge Thomas began to use work situations to discuss sex. I could not keep silent. I deny every allegation against me today. This is political theater, and Thomas just performed. He is not, I'm not trying the to say victim. The things they'll be reporting will be shocking. I was not dishonest. Somebody who goes after a woman like this with no holds barred. This is a street fight, Joe. This is a circus, a high-tech lynching. We have half a nation to convince. You're not going to believe this. There's another woman. You got me bringing up a bunch of bogus dirt. Stop it. I've heard enough of these lies. They don't care. They only want to win. Confirmation coming up. That's news and commentary for this Monday, February 15th, made possible by Tim Bean. At Liberty Capital, for all of your investment and financial planning needs, contact Tim at LibertyCapInv.com. Thank you, Tim and Liberty Capital, for sponsoring me all of these years. And, as, of course, as, as, as we mentioned, uh, the sponsors' uh, links, logos will be up at my website, CarlInTheMorning.com, for at least two, three more weeks before uh, we re- redesign that website. We'll be right back, and I'll also tell you, at 736, our title sponsor, Hosley Eco Automotive, 210 West McLaughlin Boulevard in Vancouver. Now hybrid and electric car qualified since 1946, the preferred choice for local auto repair. Find them online at hosleyecoautomotive.com. And thank you, Don Orange, for your support of Carl in the Morning. We'll be right back. Carl in the Morning is made possible by our patrons. Local businesses like Muse Art and Design, supplies for painting, drawing, sculpting, drafting, printmaking, calligraphy, and more. Know your materials, inspire your world. Muse Art and Design, 4220 Southeast Hawthorne Boulevard, online at museartanddesign.com. Thanks for joining us on this Monday, 738. You're listening to KXRY Portland 107.1, 91.1 FM, online everywhere at xray.fn. Ted Wheeler coming up in a few minutes. Ted, Oregon State Treasurer and candidate for mayor of Portland. I want to take a minute to, uh, I, I'm trying to try to compile a list. It's, it's so difficult, so there's so many people on this list, and I don't do them all justice, but um, I want to acknowledge uh, the folks in the last, just the last week and a half or two weeks who have sent me 
letters, written letters, uh, given me calls, uh, sent emails, text messages, private messages on Facebook to uh, wish me well. And um, I'm reading names on a list, but know that it's a f- with a full heart that I thank you uh, for your listenership and for um, your reaching out. Chris Burr in Corvallis, Gary Wilson, Daryl Boom, Juan Carlos Adonez at Oregon Center for Public Policy, David Campbell, Susan McCabe, Steve Swanson, John Mueller, Susan uh, Kalsa Wyborski, Pete Morris, Mary O. Mahoney, who listens to us in Ireland, Alan Hellyer, Jim Gillette, Evelyn and Tim Orr, Tom Cheevers, Netroots Radio, and Tom, thank you for carrying Carl in the morning all these years on Netroots Radio, Kendra Goon, Stephen Schneider, and Jackie Ellens, Charles Steele, Eric Matthews, who lives in Corvallis, Karen Gritska, Don Orange, whom I mentioned uh, at Hosley, Linda Myers, Terry Atch, Richard Meeker, Roger and Ruth Stevens, Alan and Bonnie Berg, Bobby Cade, Ann Fisher, Barry Warren, who's been a big supporter and listens with his wife, Valerie, in Ohio, Jim Diamond, Sharon Canopa of Albany, my favorite mayor, Sharon Canopa, Robert Green, Galen Bath, Carl Fisher, Greg, Greg and Susie Meyer-Page, who listen in Pennsylvania, Melanie Owensby, Todd Gunter, uh, our good friend Merrill in Michigan, Merle, thank you for all the updates and support over the years. Rachel Lieber, Dave and Claire Peterson, Linda Garland, Lyndon Gray, Jack McGowan, former uh, executive director of Solve, uh, Monty Peterson, Esther Pyle, Mike uh, Mihalik, Mihalik, Mihalik. I should stumble over his name. I shouldn't because he's uh, our, one of our right of center listeners, <laughs> Lenora Lawrence. Uh, Barbara, Barham Kim, Patty Ostendorp, Jerry Powell, Sherry Geisler, Mandy Allen, Marty Todd, Michael Morrow, uh, Wanda Davis, Judy Schwarz, Dale Glass, Kitty Mahler, Tim uh, Finn, and Tim made me cry with your, your note. I really appreciate it. James Henry Willis, Sarah Rask Robertson, Matt Keating, Sarah Wetterlin, Sherry Wetterlin, Mike Tierney, Michael Neff, Bruce Williamson, Celeste Parker, Nancy McDonald, Patty Mendenhall, Alan Ash, Evelyn Smith, John Ostagitz, who listens to us in Florida, Mike Del Sandro, Connie Miller, Jeff Allen, Nancy Sebastian, Eric Sorensen, just uh, a, a few of the people that I was able to uh, list this weekend. And um, I will be returning those emails and uh, when I get some time to do it. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for those for, for all those messages and all of the well wishes. It's been, uh, and I'll have a statement at the end of the show, but it's been my good fortune to meet all of you, to know all of you, and uh, uh, thank you so much. Right now it's 741 on Carl in the Morning, and here's, uh, here's some, of the, some of the stuff I'm going to miss from being on radio in the morning. You know, it's you know I'll hear them and see them on the internet, but it you know it just won't be the same when I don't get to play them for you. Cocaine is a product of a vegetable. Alcohol is a product of a vegetable. Marijuana is a vegetable, and yet people are enslaved to vegetables, and you were made in the image of God. God made you in his image to reign and rule with him. He gave you incredible authority. Why would you become a slave 
to a vegetable. I may have to call up Uncle Pat every morning to get my Pat Robertson fix. And how about Pappy Cruz? I've met so many Christians that tell me, well, evolution is a scientific fact. Baloney! I am a scientist. There's nothing scientific about evolution. Yeah, how about sweet Lou, Lou Gomez? But the Attorney General failed to answer my the questions about what was after what he went back and the most regular order, Mr. Chairman. Aspersions on my asparagus. <laughs> we'll be right back with Ted Wheeler, Oregon State Treasurer, who is running for mayor of Portland. 503-233-X-RAY is the number you're listening to Carl in the morning on this Monday. Support for X-Ray FM comes from the World Affairs Council of Oregon. For more than 60 years, the World Affairs Council has been connecting Oregonians to the world through youth and education programs, professional connections with international visitors, and through public conversations with inspiring global leaders. Who we are, where we're going, how we're getting there. More information available at worldoregon.org. X-Ray is here to put a microphone to the best and most distinctive of Portland to build a culturally relevant center for ideas, music, and creativity in service of a more open media and a more just community. Radio is yours. Carl in the Morning is made possible by our patrons. Local businesses like Trade Roots, specializing in women's clothing, jewelry, accessories, and gifts made by local artisans or fair trade workers around the globe. 1831 Northeast Broadway in Portland, online at TradeRootsInc.com. Right now, 744 on Carl in the Morning. You're listening to KXRY Portland. It is 107.1, 91.1 FM, online everywhere at xray.fm. So pleased to welcome Oregon Treasurer Ted Wheeler to the show. Ted is candidate for Portland mayor. Read more at his website, tedwheeler.com. That's tedwheeler.com. Godman person. Good morning, Ted. Good morning. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. And and Ted, it's great to have you with us. And uh, Ted, uh, it says at your website that you want to take on these issues, homelessness, uh, new economic opportunities for Portlanders, protecting the environment and repairing our streets among them. Give uh, Give us one idea about how you might think outside the box to handle yeah, Carl, some of these hey, issues. Th- thank you so much for the opportunity. But before I forget, I don't want to miss saying how much I appreciate all that you've done and how much I appreciate this radio program and your voice in the community and how honored I am to be here for this show. So for- first of thank all, you, thank Ted. you and congratulations. You. If I had to pick one issue to talk about today that's out of the box, I'd, I'd say the Tenants' Bill of Rights that my campaign team announced last week is is right there at the top. You know, people all across the city are telling me that they're increasingly concerned about being priced out and ultimately moved out. And uh, I believe it's time for the city to step up and ensure that renters are being treated fairly and that landlords are following the law. So 
Uh, in that vein, we issued what we consider the what we call the Tenants Bill of Rights. It has uh, a number of renter protections. It creates a city office within the Housing Bureau dedicated to landlord-tenant affairs. It creates a just cause eviction requirement, which is similar to what they have up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, it suggests improvements that I believe will result in more affordable housing construction, and it streamlines and improves the application and rental process. These are things that our city desperately needs, and if I'm elected mayor, I want to make sure they get implemented. Ted, um, also at your website, you said you want to make sure to, to push that uh, developers are paying, paying their fair share. Yeah, uh, for roads, parks, schools, other infrastructure, a part of, as part of new development. Explain what you mean by that. How and 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 uh, how and where you could push developers. Yeah, let let me give you one example. As, as you know, there's development going on all across this city in virtually every neighborhood. Yet there's no connection between development to school infrastructure the way there is in other cities. So if, if you build a large apartment building, you're going to be paying system development charges that go towards things like water and sewer and sidewalks and roads, but there's nothing in there that connects directly to school infrastructure. And that just doesn't make common sense to me. So what what we're seeing is the city pursues a development strategy, and then the Portland Public School District and other districts in Portland then struggle to figure out how to reallocate students among schools. And to, to me, that's sort of after-the-fact mm-hmm. thinking. I really want us to be planning for uh, how we're going to pay for school infrastructure at the same time that we're planning for other types of infrastructure. So that, that's just one example of where we need to, uh, to streamline the system. Our guest, Oregon Treasurer Ted Wheeler, now running for mayor of Portland. Find out more at his website, tedwheeler.com. Uh, Ted, as you know, and our listeners may not know if they haven't read the uh, O in the last uh, 24 hours, but uh, our senators, Jeff Merkley and Ron Wyden, have called uh, the detection of uh, gases from bullseye glass a public health emergency. Um, the Jules Bailey campaign um, sent out a pe- press release saying that uh, you took $750 from Bullseye Glass and its co-owner, um, uh, co-owner Lonnie McGregor, uh, and that you were blaming DEQ for their slow response and not Bullseye Glass. I know you've returned the money, but I want to give you a chance to respond to that charge from Jules's campaign. Yeah, and Carl, I, I do appreciate it. It must be an election year. Um, so, at the, first of all, it is true. I did take funds from Bullseye Glass, but I did so well before anybody knew that Bullseye Glass was actually the source polluter, the potential source polluter uh, in the community. And I immediately did go after the DEQ. They knew for a period of months, maybe as many as 18 months, that there was pollution and they didn't know anybody, notify anybody. So, yes, I did go after the DEQ, uh, Jules then said, well, I should have you know, known that bullseye glass was the polluter. Nobody knew bullseye glass was the polluter. And in fact, I didn't return the money. They asked for it back because they didn't like my characterization of the issue in the press. So mm-hmm. uh, the money went back right away. And um, uh, I believe I've called out the, the appropriate party. These are the regulators. These are the people who are responsible for keeping the community safe, and they had not communicated to anybody 
And by the way, you know, I, I really don't like the tit-for-tat sniping in a campaign, but let's not forget Jules was also the chair of the House Environmental Committee, which oversees the DEQ. So, um, you know, I, I don't think he's really in a position to be uh, lobbing political bullets at me, uh, but it's a distraction. Neither of us, you know, the bigger issue here is what happened at the DEQ. When did they know that there was pollution? Why didn't they inform anybody? And how are we going to get to the bottom of this to make sure it never happens again? But the you know, most concerning thing is we now have several hot spots throughout the city, and the sources have not been clearly identified. That should be priority number one for Jules, for me, for everybody mm-hmm. else. Ted, uh, Coyne is reporting that uh, not only are there higher than, than uh, normal levels of cadmium and arsenic detected, but there's a third and more toxic metal, chromium. Yeah. Uh, this, this gets to, uh, kind of feeds into my next question, is, uh, you know, they're, they're legally there's nothing that the state of Oregon could have done uh, with smaller businesses like Bullseye Glass. So it is, of course, up to state officials and the state legislature to close this gap. My broader question, which I have asked uh, Sarah Ianarone and I've asked Jules Bailey, it seems to me that the relationship between the mayor of Portland and the state legislature and the governor is extremely important in leveraging Portland's interest here in every issue going forward. Your thoughts about that relationship and how you could do better than, uh, let's say, previous mayors, the current one, or other candidates? Well, you know, it's, it is all about relationships, and there's no question that one of the most profound relationships in state government is between the mayor of Portland and the governor of the state of Oregon and also the legislative leadership. And I work on that relationship every day. Uh, Kate Brown and I are friends. We get along great. We communicate regularly. Uh, legislative leadership, I literally just met with Tina Kotek a couple of days ago, and I meet with her on a regular basis. Uh, Peter Courtney and I have met twice since this short session began. Uh, you know, the, the, these are important relationships, and the city of Portland needs to leverage its interests. Look at all of the things that are currently in front of the legislature that impact the city of Portland, whether it's uh, housing policy, tenants policy, uh, last session transportation policy. Uh, there is a long list of issues that are being discussed in Salem, and I believe my experience down there in Salem would make me a good match for what we need to do here in the city of Portland. Uh, Ted, how do you feel about the minimum wage uh, plan passed by the Oregon Senate last week? Well, I I support an increase in the minimum wage. Uh, The only concern I have is that it did not lift the preemption for the city of Portland. That is so important. Uh, because, you know, one size doesn't fit all. Different communities are impacted in different ways, and there's no question that the city of Portland, you know, whether you're looking at productivity or the cost of living or anything else, frankly, the city of Portland can maintain a higher minimum wage. And it's concerning to me that we still don't have the flexibility as a community to set our own. That being said, uh, you know, they did put a CPI escalator in, which, which is better than nothing. I was worried that the CPI escalator wouldn't be there. Right. Ted, um, let me go to East Portland here because uh, it was so much a part of the last mayoral campaign, and there is an East Portland action plan um, on the table. Your thoughts? Well, for, first of all, uh, well, let's throw this into the Wayback Machine just for historical okay. reference. 
uh, the East Portland Action Plan was created when then House Speaker Jeff Merkley and then Mayor Tom Potter uh, and I, as the Multnomah County Chair at the time, convened the East Portland Action Plan. The three of us, along with community leaders in East Portland, were very worried that there were too many task forces, too many blue ribbon panels, too many work groups, but we weren't actually doing anything. And so we said, let's stop the studies, let's stop the, the coffee clatches, and let's talk about the things we need to accomplish that we can start doing now. And we listed eight broad areas of action. And I'm sorry to say that over the years, a lot of those areas really haven't been acted on, whether it's transit, whether it's transportation, uh, whether it's uh, access to greenways and parks. But the East Portland Action Plan Committee has been fantastic. And they know that if I'm elected mayor, I'm going to be highly energized to pull that report out and start ticking through the action items one by one. We're going to get it done. Our guest, uh, Ted Wheeler, who's running for mayor of Portland. Read more about Ted at tedwheeler.com. Ted, as you know, the uh, labor contract with the Portland Police Association is always uh, always uh, grist for the mill and always controversial. I want to ask you about two provisions of the current uh, labor agreement and ask if you, that are controversial and have been brought up, and ask if you would change them or seek to advocate for change in the next negotiation. One is this 48-hour rule where police officers who have killed someone are allowed two days before they have to answer questions. And second is if the mayor fires an officer, uh, the union can appeal to arbitration. Take those two, please. So uh, I oppose the 48-hour rule. I do not think that police officers should get any special disposition disposition, uh, relative to what citizens are expected to do. Uh, If a citizen is involved in that kind of circumstance, they are expected to make a statement right away. Um, Second of all, uh, it it has been embarrassing watching how mayors have been stymied in their efforts to get rid of people who are clearly not good fits for the Portland Police Bureau. And Mayor Hills has certainly had that experience, I believe, twice during his tenure. I believe the mayor, as the police commissioner in particular, should have the ability to terminate people who don't fit in. Ted, um, in your opinion, does the Port of Portland need reform? And if so, what reform? Well, you know, I, I have long said that the Port of Portland um, needs to have, first of all, a, a clearer relationship with the city of Portland. It seems right now that relationship is pretty heavily frayed. Uh, there, for example, uh, when Mayor Hales came out with his fossil fuels resolution, which, by the way, I strongly supported, mm-hmm. uh, the Port of Portland was on the other side of that. And it led to a question in my mind, which is this. Why don't we have a joint jobs creation strategy based on the values that this city supports? We could be doing a lot with Portland's around uh, clean tech R&D, clean tech manufacturing, renewable energy infrastructure. There's so many opportunities out there uh, that we could agree on. Then there's the question, of course, of West Hayden Island. The port and the city seem to be at odds over that. Uh, The good news is West Hayden Island has now been taken out of the comp plan. I think that's the right thing to do. I support the mayor in withdrawing that from the comp plan. And uh, the the reality is we don't need that development there anytime soon and perhaps never. And that really gets to the question of what is the long-term plan for the Port of Portland? How does that port remain viable as a shipping port in the years ahead? 
and frankly, having met with port officials, it seems like it's all always going to be a smaller uh, export and import facility. It's never going to be large because it can't accept uh, large draft ships. Uh, so, you know, as far as I can tell, we're never going to need the development of West Hayden Island. At 7.58, you're listening to KXRY Portland, Carl Wolfson, along with Ryan Stroyer and Jen Chavez and our guest, Ted Wheeler. TedWheeler.com, as Ted runs for mayor of Portland. Ted, uh, you've raised more money than any of the candidates in this race, and um, I've been an advocate for so long of public financing of all campaigns. Um, We had um, a, a form of public financing in Portland for a while, um, do you envision us or the voters moving to some kind of model uh, of, of public financing of campaigns? And specifically, how do you feel about the experiments Seattle voters decided to embark on with vouchers? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting idea, and I think we should pay attention to it. And I, I think it's fair to say nobody likes the status quo mm-hmm. when it comes to how we finance elections, how we do it. Um, you know, different people put different limitations on themselves. You know, my view is disclose everything. Don't take dark money. Um, but the reality is we're still shutting a lot of people out of the electoral process and the opportunity to run for public public office. Um, you know, I, I don't have a specific answer for you today about what what program is the best, but I think we should watch it and evaluate it along with other alternative models to what we do today. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, Carl, I'm going to tell you the truth. As a candidate, it sucks raising yeah. money. Yeah. That is, it is not fun, and if you talk to anybody who's in our congressional delegation, even if they're in relatively safe seats, they're expected to raise money for their peers. And it is just a colossal time sink uh, it puts you in a position where you can be accused of uh, uh, being beholden to special interests, and it takes time away from doing what all of us want to do as elected officials, which is get out in the community and talk to people. So uh, I, I would be very, very open to an alternative worldview when it comes to yeah. elections and campaign finance. You know, uh, I've often thought, Ted, that if you took all the politicians, let's just say members of Congress, the House and the Senate, uh, well, throw in state officials and state legislators and uh, city officials, and you could get them all together and say, let's all agree this system sucks, and it does. Let's agree on something different. I, I think in a secret ballot, you'd have unanimity to throw out the current system, except, I guess, for the people who are beholden to the, the deepest pockets among us. Right, and as as you know, I've I've been a strong critic of Citizens United, and I've I've called on the Treasury Secretary and the SEC to require publicly held corporations to disclose political contributions. Citizens United was a disaster. It really unleveled a barely level playing field before, and uh, yeah, that that's sort of the big picture problem. The small picture problem is still a lack of access. To the political process by a lot of people mm-hmm. and that's something that that you know really cannot stand in our society ted a couple more questions for you and sure. thanks for joining us today one's a kind of a two-parter here uh, how do you feel about the uh, the gas tax proposal that uh, looks to go before voters this year and let me couple that with what would you do to make biking safer in a city that's grown more dense so i i do support Commissioner Novick's gas tax proposal is a short-term solution. Uh, the, the 
road infrastructure in our community continues to deteriorate at an alarming rate, and we do not have you know, sufficient resources to be able to address that. So I'll be voting in favor of it. Um, and I forgot the second part. Biking. Sorry, I haven't had my caffeine. Biking. Biking. Uh, biking. Thank you. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the clear answer that I hear from biking advocates and transportation experts is separation of bicycle traffic and automobile traffic. And I've seen experiments since we mentioned Seattle. They've got an experiment going on right now uh, that they're conducting in the downtown core with separated bike lanes, which people expect to become a permanent exercise. Uh, That really is good for bicyclists and their safety, and it's good for automobiles who are concerned that they don't see bikes or worried that they might hit somebody. Uh, separation is clearly the best standard, and I've, I've been very supportive of the Bicycle Greenways program, uh, and uh, it's, it's just a great way not only to improve bicycle safety, but it connects community institutions, it makes uh, crosswalks safer for pedestrians, and it clarifies things for automobile traffic as well. And those, those are good programs that should continue to be expanded in our community. And it, it achieves those goals to a great extent in, in cities like Copenhagen and Amsterdam. So there is precedent for it. Absolutely. And, yeah. and they have more cyclists than we do. But there's compelling data out there that there's a lot of people looking at their bicycle sitting in the corner of the basement and thinking, man, I'd like to be one of those people who gets on my bike and commutes to work especially on a nice day like today, but they're just not quite ready to do it because they're concerned about the safety aspect. Yep. So anything we can do to increase the safety of bike commuting pays back in spades in terms of the number of people who leave their car at home and instead pull the bike out of the corner, get on it, and go. Ted, last question, and thanks for joining us so much. Um, how are you uh, running the campaign, and, and how will you conduct it between now and May? And specifically, are you open to debates with Jules, Sarah, and other candidates? Oh, my heavens, yes. We, we've already had multiple debates. We had a, uh, a fantastic debate on Friday at the Union Gospel Mission on housing. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if Jesse Svonberg's listening today, but he just rocked it. Uh, I, I really I like the guy, and I'm really enjoying getting to know him and the other candidates better. Uh, my campaign put out a proposal for a number of debates, 12 different debates, and one of the stipulations for our debates was that all candidates get to participate. I think it's hugely important that we hear from all of the candidates for mayor and uh, that's how I've been running my campaign. We're running a positive campaign. We want it to be an issues-oriented campaign. And I'm going to be the first candidate just to tell you, I don't have all the answers, and it's fun for me and it's informative for me to listen to other candidates and hear their ideas and hear their experiences. I think it makes us all a lot stronger as candidates. And, heck, that's what this city deserves It's a good, robust set of debates on the issues from a broad variety of candidates in our community. We should expect no less. Uh, our guest, Ted Wheeler, candidate for mayor. He's currently Oregon Treasurer. You can find out more about Ted's campaign at tedwheeler.com. And Ted, uh, before you go, uh, just a, a personal thank you from me, since this is my la- last broadcast. You have uh, always been very kind to me and um, you're in- engaging me when I've seen you uh, at public events. I remember down at the Capitol once you showed me the the old vault where the, oh, right. <laughs> the money used it's to be. <laughs> yeah, I bet it's still there. And uh, for all you've done uh, to be accessible to this show, I thank you as well. Ted Wheeler. Well, Carl, 
thank you so much and congratulations. And I look forward to the next phase of your life. And uh, neither Me too. of us is going anywhere. <laughs> Me too. Thank you, Ted. I appreciate it. Ted Wheeler. It's 8.06. We're going to be right back and uh, do some extra news. Coming up day in history as well. Stay with us on Carl in the morning. Support for X-Ray FM comes from Morel Inc., offering commercial printing, direct mail, and promotional products. Morel Inc. is a union shop which employs 30 employees in Northeast Portland. To find out more online, visit morelinc.biz. Morel Inc., ink on anything, mail anywhere. X-Ray is here to put a microphone to the best and most distinctive of Portland to build a culturally relevant center for ideas, music, and creativity in service of a more open media and a more just community. Radio is yours. Carl in the Morning is made possible by our patrons. Local businesses like Green Zebra Grocery. Healthy and convenient, Green Zebra only has room for the good stuff. They offer everything from grass-fed beef and Oregon microbrews to organic produce and kombucha on tap. Green Zebra is open 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. seven days a week at North Lombard and Peninsular. GreenZebraGrocery.com. Right now it's 8.08 on Carl in the Morning, and we thank our title sponsors, Liberty Coin and Currency, the place for coins, gold, and jewelry, libertycoinandcurrency.com, and Hosley Eco Automotive, hosleyecoautomotive.com. You guys hanging in there? We've had a busy show this morning. Sure, I am, know, hus- hustling and bustling. Yeah, well, Phones you know, been... we, we were off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and a lot happened. Oh, I right, know. Lots happened. I know. a lot happened, including uh, the, the debate from uh, that the Republicans gave us. It uh, it was really something, wasn't it? Here's here's uh, thirty five more seconds. We're supporting of it. troops that we don't Let even know who though. they are. Okay, We're supporting troops ridiculous. that we don't right, even God, know who they are. All right. We have no idea who they are. Gentlemen, I think we're going we're gonna to leave that there. I've this got a question for Senator. This is a guy who gets his foreign policy from the shows. Oh, this yeah, is yeah. a guy who thinks yeah. that Hillary Clinton was a great negotiator in Iran. Spent we're living in dangerous times. In this is a man who insults his way to the nomination. $24 million all right, ladies, all right, Give me a all right. break. Gentlemen, gentlemen, let's leave it there so I can ask a question of Senator Cruz, who's also running for president. Yeah. That's frightening. They move from that to Ted Cruz hand out the paste and scissors kindergartners um you know one of the things i'm very happy about and i'll I'll list a few at the end of the show that we've had media matters for america on here every every tuesday uh and i i think that will continue after i leave uh, hopefully um and not only to just shine a light on the lies from fox and right-wing radio but to talk about their strategy why they do what they do and i here's just a an instance since we were last on the air of how they spin this alternate reality in this case about not just liberals but president obama fox's jesse waters one of the co-hosts on 
uh, our relationship with Iran. Iran's our new friend, right? Right. Wrong. Yeah, wrong. Today, while the country celebrated the 37th anniversary of Islamic Revolution, the chants were still loud and clear. Death to America. Death to Israel. So any American sentiment hasn't waned since the nuke deal. But according to our administration, the country is showing us kindness now. Remember? It freed our sailors and treated them so well. I'm appreciative for the quick and appropriate response of the Iranian authorities. All indications suggest or tell us that our sailors were well taken care of. Yeah, well, that's what you do, Jesse Waters, with, through good diplomacy. Through negotiating and bringing Iran to the negotiating table so that we could stop the progress toward nuclear weapons in Iran. And we could get the sailors back in a day or two, not 444 days. But that didn't stop Jesse Waters from saying this about President Obama. Eric Bowling, uh, I think if President Obama was president in the 1930s, he'd probably thank the Japanese for bombing Pearl Harbor. What do you think? Should I agree with that or not? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> he would thank the Japanese for bombing Pearl Harbor. One of the, uh, you know, one of the distressing things to me uh, has been so many uh, people who uh, have claimed that Hillary Clinton is the same, some anti-Hillary people, that Hillary Clinton is the same as a Republican. Um, and my last show, uh, there's nothing more important than getting every Democratic vote we can this November, get as many independents to vote for the Democratic nominee, the theoretical argument that the next president will appoint a Supreme Court justice or more is, not, is no longer hypothetical. It's reality with the death of Antonin Scalia. And I know that Republicans will block any Obama appointment and use this for turnout from their side. But let's not sit out this election, no matter who the nominee. And I noticed over the weekend that, uh, well, last week actually, crowdpack.com, it's, it's a nonpartisan group. It's a voter education website. And you see many scores out there as far as liberal versus conservative. This was an interesting one. They have a scoring system based on a candidate or a, a public official statements, their voting records, their campaign contributions including contributions to the candidate as well as contributions from the candidate. And their scoring is 10L would be the most liberal, 10C would be the most conservative, score zero would indicate political moderate. <laughs> That's appropriate, isn't it? Because political moderates are disappearing. They're at zero now. Um, so 10, the most liberal, 10L, the most liberal, 10C, the most conservative. Bernie Sanders at 7.6L, Hillary Clinton at 6.5L. Bernie more liberal, but not that much. But tell me that Hillary Clinton at 6.5L is the same as Ted Cruz at 9.5C, or Ben Carson at 7.5C, or Marco Rubio at 6.5C, or Jeb Bush at 5.1C, or John Kasich at 4 See, not the same time for the media matters minute made possible by our friends at tom dwyer automotive 
trusted to keep your vehicle safe, breakdown free, and operating at their best. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Eric Wusterwald. Right-wing media figures continue to attack the Democratic candidates for illustrating the criminal justice system's disproportionate impact on African Americans. Instead of talking about a broken system, though, Fox guest Crystal Wright and commentator Bernie Goldberg would rather demean the black community. Blacks should no more vote for Hillary or Bernie than they should the Grand Wizard of the KKK. You know what they should have said, Brian? Hey, black people, stop having 72% of your babies out of wedlock and your kids won't be going won't be massively incarcerated and arrested. It doesn't take any courage to put billionaires in Wall Street in their crosshairs, but it would take a certain amount of courage to talk about black behavior. These opinions fail to recognize the problem. A lack of equal opportunities and systemic racism are at the core of a deeply flawed criminal justice system. And blaming the plight of African Americans is not a solution. For more on this and other stories, please visit MediaMatters.org. Media Matters Minute made possible by Tom Dwyer Automotive. Tom, Charles, everybody over there, thank you so much for all your support of me and this show and your continued support of X-Ray Radio. TomDwyer.com. We'll be right back to a little day in history on Carl in the morning. I look around, it's mighty plain to see This world is such a great and a funny place to be All the gambling man is rich and the working man is poor And I ain't got no home in this world anymore Carl in the Morning is made possible by our patrons, local businesses like Broadway Veterinary Clinic, with full-service care for your dog or cat, including dentistry and therapeutic laser for arthritis pain. Broadway Vets stocks a variety of prescription diets, flea, and heartworm control. Board-certified surgeon and internist on call. Dr. Dwayne Schad was named Veterinarian of the Year in 2014 by the Portland Veterinary Medical Association. Broadway Vets, located at 2315 Northeast Broadway, online at broadwayvetpdx.com. 816 on Carl in the Morning. Thanks for joining us on KXRY Portland 107.1, 91.1 FM, online everywhere at xray.fm. Carl Wolfson, along with Ryan Stroyer and Jen Chavez. This show made possible by Zero Res. Zero Res goes beyond green. It's revolutionary patented empowered water system, the safe non-toxic alternative to those harsh soaps and chemicals that leave residues behind. From carpet to towel, from upholstery to mattresses, check out ZeroResPortland.com. That's ZeroResPortland.com. A big shout-out to all of our sponsors, including Bill Dickey at Morell Inc., all the good folks there for supporting me and supporting this station, X-Ray. MorellInc.biz. Time for Day in History, February fifteenth, 1933. In Miami, Giuseppe Zangara attempts to assassinate President-elect Franklin D. Roosevelt, but instead shoots Chicago Mayor Anton J. Cermak, who dies of his wounds on March 6th. You ask why was Franklin Roosevelt president-elect on February 15th? Uh, in 1933 was the last year the president uh, was sworn in in March. 
March 4th, 1933. The 20th Amendment moved it to January 20th, where it resides today. Let's go back to that time when, a uh, frightening time, when the president-elect, FDR, was almost killed. At 9.35 p.m. on the evening of February the 15th, Franklin Roosevelt had just completed offering a few remarks when a young Italian immigrant, five foot one, stood up on a bench and he reached in his pocket, got out a cheap $8 pistol and pointed it at the president-elect of the United States. A woman standing next to him saw what was happening and in her mind she said, my God, he's going to kill Franklin Roosevelt. When the first shot was fired, I realized he was shooting at someone and my, I take my right arm and pushed the pistol up just as hard as I could. Instead of the bullet hitting Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the bullet hit a man by the name of Anton Cermak, who was the mayor of Chicago, Illinois. Uh, Cermak was uh, driven uh, in Roosevelt's car, cradled in Roosevelt's arms, all the way to a Miami hospital. Cermak, mortally wounded with a bullet in his lungs, told FDR, I'm glad it was me instead of you. The gun-waving man was Giuseppe Tangara, an Italian-born, unemployed bricklayer. Giuseppe Zangaro, better known as Joe, uh, was not an an uh, anarchist. Uh, he, uh, that was proved later on. He was a person who did not like leaders of any country. You don't like him for president? That's all. As a man, he's all right. Uh, Joe uh, Zangara uh, was sentenced by the judge 80 years in prison for the attempted assassination on Anton Cermak. But on March 6th, 1933, Cermak died. And immediately then, the judge decreed that Cermak's assassin should be executed. And he was on March 20th. Sangara's last words before his electrocution were goodbye, adieu to the world go ahead, push the button well, um, Anton Cermak did die and Giuseppe Zancara was executed here's some newsreel of Cermak's funeral in Chicago City, state, and nation join to honor Mayor Cermak, with thousands of Chicagoans braving the bitter cold to pay a touching tribute as the cortege proceeded to the stadium. The grieving family enters. state in the center of a huge floral cross. Cermak's immediate family. Governor Horner of Illinois attended the rites, and so did Senators Diedrich and Lewis. 
You know, I have a, a couple Anton Cermak buttons on my Chicago mayor's canvas. If anyone ever asked me, who's this Cermak guy? I'll say he's he's the guy that was responsible for the whole New Deal and the building of the middle class. Had Franklin Roosevelt been killed, Vice President-elect John Nance Garner from Texas would have been president of the United States. Old Cactus Jack was his nickname, far more conservative than FDR. He did help FDR get New Deal through Congress, but I very much doubt that John Garner would have gone uh, to the extent that FDR did to dismantle uh, the moneyed interest of this country. Now, as I mentioned, the last March inauguration was on March 4th, 1933. The, uh, this, I'm going to play a couple minutes of Franklin Roosevelt being sworn in as president on that day by Chief Justice Charles Evans Hughes. And notice that back then, uh, Charles, the, the, the Chief Justice recited the whole oath and then Franklin Roosevelt, the president-elect, took the oath in its entirety. Today, there is a snippet of an oath by the chief justice. The president-elect responds, and they go back and forth. Listen to two and a half minutes on that day. Do Franklin Delano Roosevelt, do solemnly swear that you will faithfully execute the office of president of the United States and will... To the best of your ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help you, God. I, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God. President Hoover, Mr. Chief Justice, my friends, this is a day of national consecration. And I am certain that on this day my fellow Americans expect that on my induction into the presidency, I will address them with a candor and a decision which the present situation of our people impels. This is preeminently the time to speak the truth, the whole truth, frankly and boldly. Nor need we shrink from honestly facing conditions in our country today. This great nation will endure as it has endured, will revive and will prosper. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. In every dark hour of our national life, a leadership of frankness and of vigor has met with that understanding and support of the people themselves which is essential to victory. And I am convinced that you will again give that support to leadership 
in these critical days. Well, the the famous line, nothing to fear but fear itself, and this is President's Day. Now, Kenneth Davis would disagree with me, but we celebrate Abraham Lincoln, born on February 12th, and George Washington, born on uh, February 22nd. But the third name with Washington and Lincoln is almost always FDR. And what he did to rebuild the middle class in this country and really bridge us from the Gilded Age uh, to an age that uh, kept us so united. And you do that with the bulwark of the middle class for so many years. And really, it's been the chipping away of the New Deal that has given us this moment where income inequality and wealth equality threaten not only the middle class, but our nation. And it was on this day that Franklin Roosevelt escaped assassination. Day in History made possible by Morell Inc., your local union printers. Find them online at morellinc.biz. Jen Chavez, you have something to add to our Day in History today. I just want to uh, mention this because I think it'll be a good seg into maybe our next guest, but it is also Susan B. Anthony's birthday, born mm-hmm. on this day in yeah. 1820. So from one gal to another, thank you, Susan. <laughs> thank you, Susan. And thank you, Susan Galavis, who is on the line with us. Susan is my marketing rep, our marketing yes, rep. And in addition to <laughs> being the, yes, a nice segue, Susan to Susan, in addition to being Uh, the marketing rep and has gotten us uh, all these fine patrons uh, that you hear on the air and solidified our sponsorship. Susan Galavis and her husband Manny have worked tirelessly to get X-Ray up and running and to get the new Vancouver antenna uh, to reality. Susan, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Carl. I just, you know, this comes with a heavy heart, but I know that um, I just on behalf of myself, Maddie, and my our family, I just want to thank you so much for all you've done and how much you, we've learned from you and instilling that passion in us to be, go on to be better activists. And it's just, uh, we just wish you the very, very best in your next endeavors and count us in to support you and anything you're doing. And I just, again, I just, I just can't thank you enough for letting me have the opportunity to work with you. It's been just such a fun, fun ride and um, I've learned so much and now I mean who would have thought that you know we'd have this signal in Vancouver tell us tell us about the signal Susan and by the way it's been my absolute pleasure to become friends with you and Manny and your beautiful children I I just uh, you know I, I just flash on you know our being in director park during that uh, big labor yeah, rally Workers when Tom Wright. Chamberlain yeah. and, and I spoke and um, all the coffees we've had and all the incredible amount of work that you have done uh, for Community oh. Radio. Tell us about the, the signal just a little bit. Yeah, well, we've got, we're building the, the Vancouver Recording Studio now. We've got all the equipment. Um, the construction permit has come in. And in May, um, once they get the, the equipment, it's all going to be constructed, and it's going to launch at the Hello Vancouver in May 18th. And um, it's really happening. And so I have one little favor to ask. When we get that Vancouver Recording Studio up and running, we would be forever grateful uh, if you would come in and sit on one of the Vancouver content shows. Well, I'll have to take leave from the Supreme Court in my new position. Position there, but I will, <laughs> I will gladly help you in any effort. Count on me. And while I've got Susan Galavis on the phone, a big shout out to so many people in Clark County. And you know, when I was on KPOJ, I was just uh-huh. amazed at. I kept saying how many callers 
would win the pop quiz or win the mystery button from Clark County. How many great listeners we had <laughs> over there. And, you know, so many of them have become very good friends of mine. Robert Green comes to mind and Roger and Ruth Stevens, and I know I'm forgetting yeah. people. Uh, but you've got a great community over there, and the fact well, that you, thank you the fact that you have done what you have done to get that tower up is nothing short of a miracle. Susan Gallagher. It, it's pretty something. It could open up another half a million listeners. Yep. So and, it's, it's, it's crazy. But I just want to thank you again, and enjoy your little surprise coming at the end of the show. I've got a surprise coming at the end of the show? A little surprise coming. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, I can't wait <laughs> okay. now. Okay. Well, I love you, Thank Carl. Thank you. Love you, too, Susan. <laughs> okay, and best to Manny and your family. 831 on Carl Thanks. in the morning. And uh, this call comes from Hawaii. And uh, I, I I will just take it and tell you, someone I love dearly. Good morning. Aloha. Hey, Paul Pimentel. How are you, Big Carl? <laughs> What's going on with the Zika virus and the dengue fever uh, health emergencies there? Are you are 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 you and Lori okay? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. It's uh, well, Zika is not an emergency here yet, but uh, dengue has been a problem. It's just been a flow trickle of of uh, reported illnesses since yeah. November. Yeah. So it's affecting tourism a little bit, which is kind of a concern. We've had a few guests at the end that have canceled or have been really concerned, but you know. Overall, it's 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 just one of those persistent problems they're worried you know might become always here. Mm -hmm. Well, of those who don't no, know this voice and remember it, uh, Paul Pimentel uh, preceded me at, at uh, KPOJ and was at Clear Channel for at least a year after I left. Best producer in the world. The six years that I was on KPOJ, Paul was my rock and. Um, along with Mike Dirks, who was the PD who hired me, uh, probably the two people who taught me more about radio uh, than any other. And and thank you, Paul. And how are things going there? Good. It's going well. And and, and thank you. I, I, I always tell everyone that my years with you, those were, that was definitely the pinnacle of my radio career. Those were the best, best years I had. And I've done a lot of radio since I was in high school, a lot of different things. And that was just it was the best. It was the most fun I've had, and it was a lot of hard work and early hours, but it was all worth it. It was, it was great. Well, thank you, Paul, and uh, it was a lot of hard work and early hours, and, you know, all these shows get uh, so sore, so understaffed, and uh, I'm glad that you're here so I can tell everyone once again what a great job you did, and, you know, short staff and, and low budgets, and I don't think we ever had a dime for uh, for uh, you know publicity uh, on KPOJ, but we pulled it together. We all worked so hard, and uh, thanks to you, that show was on in 2005, I believe, and continued till they flipped us after the 2012 election. Uh, best of uh, yep. my best wishes to you, Paul, and I'm I'm so glad that you and Lori are enjoying Nirvana in Hawaii. Yes, well, thank you, and 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 thanks for all that you've done. Thank you, Paul. And, you know, both as as a, as a friend, but as everything you've done in radio and. And, um, you know, it's, it was great. I'm glad, that, um, you know, it's a tough decision that you made, but I think you're making the right decision. It's, it's time to step back for a little bit and recharge and regroup. It is. And, uh, Paul, thank and you, Millie. And come see us here in Hawaii. I will. Gary and I will be out there. We're just talking about it the other night. Uh, thank you, Paul, so Excellent. much. Love you. Um, yeah, it's, um, I am going to do a lot of things that I wanted to do, but those long, long hours prohibited. I want to, uh, write, I want to speak, and I want to uh, curate my button collection. And you'll 
you'll you'll see me around and uh yeah paul pimentel and Lori being in hawaii is uh is always uh they're good role models for me because uh even though they're working over there they're kicking back and uh, taking a little bit more time to enjoy life uh someone else on the line and uh probably the person i ought to be thanking the most hey gary hey carl how you doing oh i'm fine I'm in the place I oh, love yeah. to be. Uh, first time, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would rather you have been a a a, a, uh, <laughs> a daily listener, but uh, and and daily caller. But uh, I appreciate it. On, yep. No, I I am a daily listener. I just don't listen to the full two hours. I know. But I, I have a high bar. I, I want people to listen I, to the entire two hours. Right the entire two hours but you know as many people probably understand i do hear the show uh <laughs> not necessarily on the radio you get doses of the show all 24 7 yes you do and you've suffered through it uh, w- w- with good spirits i appreciate it very much uh so this is more emotional for me than i thought it would be um i'm just i'm so proud of you and and what you've done for, for so many years and I was listening to Day in History today and um, it just really hit me how the, the what you bring to your show and, and to your voice as somebody who is a progressive and um, just a, a strong leader in that movement is this historical context that, um, that we really need because one thing that you taught me is that if we don't know history we're doomed to repeat it and um, you just bring that, and and we need it so badly because there's so much just um, surface um, sniping back and forth, and and um, and we really are, you know, just I think in this political climate, so doomed to repeat the, the mistakes that we've made in the past. Yeah, you know, I had uh, so many failed boyfriends, and I learned from that, and then hooked up with you. <laughs> So, I learned. Yeah. I learned you, from my past. You learned from your history. <laughs> yes, there you go. Uh, uh, and, you know, the other thing I want to say, and I know there's other people who want to talk, but but I know, and I, I hope all of your listeners know, that just because you're not on the radio every morning doesn't mean that you're not going to be a voice out there. You are somebody who um, has a perspective and has a voice, and and that will be heard in different ways, and I'm really excited to see how that comes out. Um, and, and me too. And, and Gary, I want to thank you right back. And part of the the price I've paid, uh, you have paid for the long hours, has been I, I haven't been with you uh, as much as I should have. And even though I, I'm going to continue to work, uh, my pledge is all work less and make a little more money and spend more time with you. And uh, I have to say that the greatest part of doing this daily broadcast is when I'm done, I get to come home and be with you. And uh, I hope that I want to take this minute to make sure all people out there know, as an example of the kind of progress we can all make together, 
that uh, you know you and I went to see who killed the electric car in Los Angeles and we were still living there and we were sad about it and mm-hmm. you know we've been driving yeah. an EV for more than four years now we bemoaned that we couldn't become married because we knew that even though we loved each other and went through all the legal processes to um, get the kind of protections we need that civil marriage was a civil right and we deserved it and we deserved it in our state of Oregon and that on December... Even after we got an all. Even after we, uh, you know, and great thanks to Diane Lynn, who uh, gave us marriage for a little while in 2004, and we did get married in March of 2004 that was annulled by the voters uh, with Measure 36, but progress continued, and on our 17th anniversary, we were married in our home in Portland, Oregon, the city and state we love. And the fact that we're driving an EV and that we're married today um, are just two examples of how we can move ahead together to make this world uh, a better place. So um, thank you so much uh, for calling in today. I really appreciate it. Yes. And I love you. Love you. And I'll see you when you get home. Okay. And that's my reward. Thank you so much. 839. That's really sweet. On Carl in the morning, I see someone else here in studio uh, who may want to talk on the air um, and uh, you know let me let me proceed uh, this gentleman speaking on air uh, by thanking uh, a number of specific people several of whom I mentioned today including my longtime partner and now husband Gary uh, that got me to this point on Radio. Dave Anderson, who passed away recently, his funeral will be this Sunday. My longtime friend and comic, who, uh, and longtime uh, radio uh, person here with Mark and Dave and on AM Northwest, was the person who recommended me to Mike Dirks um, for the spot on uh, to follow Tom Hartman on the morning show. I want to thank Dave, and it's, it's just so sad that Dave has left us. Uh, but he leaves us with a great legacy, not only in media, but through his humor and his life. Mike Dirks, as I mentioned, the best program director ever who taught me so much on radio. Uh, the days of THC, Tom, Heidi, and Carl. Uh, the great Christine Alexander, the two years we spent with Paul Pimentel at the helm. I think my favorite two years on radio. Uh, Phil Bunting is in studio and i'm going to introduce phil in just a minute Uh, phil uh, and i became friends when he was selling advertising at clear channel kept me on the air in the kpoj days and uh, you might remember that uh, phil asked me to marry him not in that way Uh, he and uh, his fiance carla had moved up from long beach and uh, asked me to conduct their wedding ceremony which i did on the top of the eco trust building and it was fun my opening line, the historic day, the first straight wedding in the Pearl. And uh, Phil and Carla have been my friends, but nobody did more to get me back up on internet radio after Clear Channel flipped formats in 2012 than Phil Bunting and JD, who I, I cannot tell you how much work JD did here for on internet radio and for the first uh, year and a half on X-Ray, it was JD and me doing this show, a two-person team producing 10 hours of live radio a week. And, and Phil uh, introduced me to JD. I'm forever grateful for that. For Jefferson Smith for getting X-Ray up and running 
Tim Marcroft, who, uh, and all the volunteers and workers at X-Ray that have sustained this community station, Susan Galavis, who has been our marketing director, whom you just heard from, and from, for Kate Bush and Ryan Stroyer and Jen Chavez, who have been me on the last le- with me on the last leg of this journey. They, uh, I, I wish that I had more time with these rising stars. Phil Bunting, I'm, I'm shocked to see you in studio, but delighted. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Yeah. You know, I... I was listening this morning, and I, I figured I was here. I was here day one when we kickstarted your uh, you were. your new show. So I figured it, it would only be fitting if I came down here and um, finished it with you too. Thank so you. I know uh, JD is is working, but he uh, he told me to give you his best, and he yeah. wouldn't be here, but uh, unfortunately couldn't. So I got a wonderful text from him. Good, we exchanged texts last week, and. Um, you know, nobody worked harder than JD. I mean, the, the two of us had so many responsibilities, as I said, as a two-person team. And uh, if you see JD or Phil Bent bunting around Portland, thank them for their very important part at keeping this progressive voice alive, which is your forum. And had we not done this for 13 months on the Internet and then moved it to X-Ray, I think there would have been a gap there that, that could have been very bad for the city of Portland and for the cause. Agreed. How's Carla? How are the kids? She's doing good. Kids yeah. are doing well. Yeah. Everybody's good. How old is Kennedy now? She is four. Four and a half, she'll tell you. Yeah. Um, Miles is... <laughs> How's Miles? Miles is great. He's he's 18 months, so yeah. we're, having a, we're having a good time and looking forward to uh, spending some time with you and Gary here yeah. pretty soon. We'll have some coffee and plot out some next moves. Absolutely. Huh? Thank you, know you Phil. I'm here for you. So Thank you. Congratulations and uh, looking forward to... Uh, to, to seeing what's next. I, I love you. And, and you and Carla keep that marriage strong because that's, you know, I married you guys. I and, know. And I, I got a track record, man. Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll keep it one of one, right? Well, I've actually, I married, uh, also con- conducted a service for uh, my niece, Chandra, and her now husband, Jay, down in Pescadera, California, on the beautiful ocean, Pacific Ocean. So I got two. All right. So, you know. We'll, we'll keep our end up. All right. Thank you, Phil. All right. Love, love you, buddy. Love you, too. All right. Uh, my sister, speaking of Southern California, Northern California from Santa Cruz, my sister Ginger. Ginger, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. Hey, Carl. I couldn't let your nine years finish without saying something. Uh, And I'm sure I speak for most of the hundreds of thousands of your listeners to say thank you, thank you, thank you for making our mornings the last nine years entertaining, informative, and I just don't have words enough to thank you for everything you've done, and I'm so proud of you. Well, That's th- it. <laughs> yeah, th- thank you. And, you know, I have, in addition to Gary, who has been my rock, I have had the best support from uh, my my sisters and my family. And you, you, you're, you're incredible, two kids, Chandra and, and Tommy. I know mm-hmm. you and Chandra and Tommy are all Bernie supporters, and I, I, I give it up yeah, to you for sorry that. About that. Yeah, but, that's know, okay. Uh, I'm supporting we, Hillary. Whoever but, gets the Democratic nomination, we will vote for. Yeah, that's, that's that, the important thing. That's the important thing about it. But the support, it's important to have. Uh, so it goes without saying uh, the importance mm-hmm. of, of family. And I, I just want to say that from, I want to do another thank you for all of the family that's been. Uh, that I've known in this uh, KPOJ and now X-Ray community uh, who helped me get through uh, the death of our dad and our mom. That happened uh, during yeah. these nine years. And yeah. I will extend it to you, the strength that, that you and, and Linda uh, showed with me as our parents declined in health 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can only uh, wish that for those with parents or those with chronic illnesses that we can finally have a system of universal health care um, so that people won't have to worry that no one will be there or that they will become bankrupt be- because of it. And I think this this uh, and, and you know the irony is that our mom, who was a lifelong Republican, had her <laughs> Social Security, had her Medicare, and had her Tricare because Dad was in the military. Yeah. She had single payer all the way through, and yet, uh, you know, she complained about Democrats. Some things never change. <laughs> <laughs> Ginger, thank you so much. I really appreciate thank it. You. you know I love you and send my thank best to uh, the too. Bernie crew down in Santa Cruz. I appreciate it. Hey. We feel the burn. What can I say? Okay, thanks. Okay, take care. <laughs> Let's Bye. do the best story of the day. One of the great things uh, about my tenure on radio, and I, I, I keep remembering when Christine and I were on air in the evening. Uh, following the election returns in 2008 live um, after uh, Obama made his uh, victory uh, speech in Grant Park in Chicago. Uh, Christine and I did a big hug and and, uh, headed over to the Oregon Convention Center through celebratory streets to join in the, the celebration there. And um, I, you know, we did our little part to to help the president, uh, help Barack Obama be elected in 2008, reelected in uh, 2012. And I want to take up a, a, a little further the theme that I mentioned with my husband Gary. There, this president has uh, obviously done more for the LGBT community by far than any other person who has ever held that office. And the best story of the day, made possible by Beth Ernest and Associates, BethErnest.net, is last Thursday on Ellen, when President Obama thanked Ellen DeGeneres for changing hearts and minds to advance marriage uh, equality. Let's listen. I cannot tell you I, or thank you enough for what you have done for the gay community. So thank you. It's one of the things I'm proudest of. Uh, because my whole political career has been based on the idea that we constantly want to include people and not exclude them. How do we bring more and more people into opportunity and success and uh, feeling hopeful about their lives? And uh, But I will say, we were, we were driving over here today, and I, I meant this. I, I said it to my staff. I said, uh, as, as much as we've done with laws and ending don't ask, don't tell, et cetera, changing hearts and minds, uh, I, I don't think anybody's been more influential than you on that. I really mean that. That's true. That's true. And so, the, uh, um, you know, your courage and you're just really likable. And so, so as soon as, you know, so... You know, you uh, being willing to claim who you were then suddenly empowers other people, and then suddenly it's your brother, it's your uncle, it's your uh, you know best friend, it's your coworkers, and 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 then uh, attitudes shift, and the laws followed, but it started uh, with folks like you. I'm so well, proud of you. That, uh, well, thank you. Yeah. that's uh, it's true. Really- 
Well, that's the best story of the day, the Beth story of the day, made possible by Beth Ernest and Associates online at BethErnest.net. And it's, uh, you know, it's my hope that uh, we don't lose the accomplishments of the Obama administration, that we shape the future based on his legacy, and everyone needs to be voting Democratic uh, this fall. Uh, I, I do want to, you know, I've got a few more minutes, and I want to put in one more plug for Hillary Clinton since we had our Bernie caller from Santa Cruz, California. Jay Carney, former White House press secretary, speaking of President Obama, said this last week. I think the president has signaled, uh, while still remaining neutral, that he supports uh, Secretary Clinton's candidacy and would prefer to see her as the nominee. I think, uh, you know, he's maintaining that tradition of not uh, intervening in a, in a party primary. Uh, but I, I don't think there's any doubt that, that he wants Hillary to win the nomination and believes that she would be uh, the best candidate in the fall and, and, and the most effective as president in carrying forward what he's achieved. Um, yeah. By the way, Lois, good friend from Georgia, JJ, just called to, to wish us well. And, and I have a thank you for everybody, uh, Rico in Pittsburgh, uh, Barry in, in Ohio, um, John in, in Florida, uh, so many people throughout the United States that have been listeners to the show. I want to thank you. Uh, Bernie, let's give Bernie some time here, did well on Stephen Colbert. But, Senator, these shows are supposed to start with a host standing up talking to a camera. Stephen, that's what the elites want you to think. <laughs> You've got to follow your heart. Go your own way. The revolution is possible. You are the revolution. And this time, the revolution will literally be televised. And, you know, we played some clips early on in the show of the Republican circus debate, the children's debate in South Carolina. How about that Thursday night debate on PBS uh, between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders? We are the adults here. We're going to shape the future uh, with either one winning. And here's a little intelligent talk during that debate on PBS from Bernie Sanders. So race relations would be better under a Sanders presidency than they've been. Absolutely. Because what we will do is say, instead of giving tax breaks to billionaires, we are going to create millions of jobs for low-income kids so they're not hanging out on street corners. We're going to make sure that those kids stay in school or are able to get a college education. And I think when you give low-income kids, African-American, white, Latino kids, the opportunities to get their lives together, they are not going to end up in jail. They're going to end up in the productive economy, which is where we want them. And Hillary Clinton. I believe strongly we have to guarantee health care. I believe we are on the path to doing that. The last thing we need is to throw our country into a contentious debate about health care again. And we are not England. We are not France. We inherited a system that was set up during World War II, 170 million Americans get health insurance right now through their employers. So what we have tried to do and what President Obama succeeded in doing was to build on the health care system we have, get us to 90% coverage. We have to get the other 10% of the way to 100. 
I far prefer that and the chances we have to be successful there than trying to start all over again, gridlocking our system and trying to get from zero to 100%. Yeah, and remember, we all want the same goals on the Democratic side. You can have us or you can have this. Right now today as a candidate, he supports federal taxpayer funding for Planned Parenthood. I disagree with him on that. That's a matter of principle. You are the single biggest liar. You probably are worse than Jeb Bush. You are the single biggest liar. This guy lied. Let me just tell you, this guy lied about Ben Carson when he took votes away from Ben Carson in Iowa. And he just continues. This guy will say anything. Yeah, well, I think uh, I might sum it up by saying our nine years, we've tried to draw a bright line between um, a retrograde vision of the future where the, uh, the me society rules versus a committed version of the future with all of us going on the ride together, the We Society. And before we sign off today, I want to just tell you how proud I am of what has been produced by this show uh, from all the people who have worked on it. Uh, And I'm proud that we've been able to keep it on the high road with intelligent discussion and debate not the shouting and extremist discourse that uh, dominates so much of talk radio. While too many, and you just heard a couple voices there, have stoked fear of African Americans and immigrants and Muslims and those in the transgender community, that ignorance and that hate has found no quarter on this show. I'm proud that this program has spoken for marginalized communities and the poor and the homeless and those whose voices have been lost in an era of corporate media domination. With our friends at Street Roots, Willamette Week, the Portland Mercury, the Scanner, terrific local reporters and editors, we were able to broadcast the stories of the people and politics of this city, the voices and movements, ideas, and realities that fuel our common destiny. We carved out a special place for labor and labor history and offered the microphone to union leaders who fight every day for working Oregonians. My good friends Tom Chamberlain, Ken Allen, Leslie Frayne, Heather Conroy, Gail Rasmussen, Hannah Vandering, along with Labor Commissioner Brad Avakian and the Oregon Center for Public Policy, we have advocated for a 21st century minimum wage, equal pay for equal work, tougher action against wage theft and a more progressive tax code. We have highlighted the concerns of small businesses through the Main Street Alliance. So many voices on this show like Jim Hauser of Hawthorne Auto. I'm proud that our sponsors were local businesses willing to give what they could to support community radio. Our voice on Carl in the Morning has been unwavering in its commitment to science, the environment, and a renewable energy future. The quality of our beautiful Northwest, indeed the very existence of life on this planet, will be determined by how well we heed the messages of groups like Oregon Wild, Oregon League of Conservation Voters, the Audubon Society, Columbia Riverkeeper, Bicycle Transportation Alliance, 360.org, and the Post Carbon Institute. On this radio journey, I've met so many people that have become my personal heroes. Penny Akimoto of Ceasefire, Oregon. Michelle Stranger Hunter, NARAL Pro-Choice, Oregon. 
Dr. Sam Metz of Physicians for Social Responsibility, Gina Frazzini, Basic Rights Oregon, Alan Elsner, J Street, Justin Bory, Community Alliance of Tenants, Ibrahim Mubarak, Right to Dream 2. We have shown a bright light on extremist groups and reactionary movements through Right Wing Watch and the Southern Poverty Law Center and the ACLU of Oregon. We have countered the spin and lies of Fox News and hate radio and better understood their strategy with the help of Media Matters for America. I'm proud that we have gone in-depth on the great issues of our time with reporters from The Nation, Mother Jones, The Atlantic, Harper's, The Daily Beast, ProPublica, Vocative, Al Jazeera, America, and a host of independent journalists like Dar Jamal and Greg Pallast. Every weekday for nine years, we have brought you Talk Media News with Ellen Ratner, Victoria Jones, Bob Ney, Justin Duckham, and Luke Vargas reporting from the United Nations. We have connected you with your elected representatives, Governor Kate Brown and Governor Jay Inslee, Senator Jeff Merkley and Ron Wyden, our House delegation, Peter DeFazio, Susan Bonme- Suzanne Bonamici, Earl Blumenauer, Kurt Schrader, and so many of our state legislators, Mayor Tom Potter, Mayors Tom Potter, Sam Adams, Charlie Hales, Commissioners Nick Fish, Steve Novick, Amanda Fritz, Dan Saltzman, Randy Leonard, and our friend and Tuesday guest, Kari Chisholm. As he said last week, we have helped to keep Oregon solidly blue. With Democrats in control of all statewide offices and in both houses of the legislature, we have helped important ballot measures become law. I'm proud that we have advocated for progressive values, human rights, social and economic and environmental justice, public education, universal health care, universal voter registration, and a political system uncorrupted by the big money of big corporations. Finally, I'm most proud that we have been able to integrate history and civics and a broader understanding of the Constitution into our daily offering. And how lucky was I to have interviewed Howard Zinn, Noam Chomsky, Gloria Steinem, and Maya Angelou. And that brings me to all of you who have called and written and emailed and graced our show with your thoughts, stories, wisdom, and wisecracks, the most valuable currency in our democracy, your two cents. You showed up at our events and donated to the cause and became my friends. So many of you have put your values into action, not only during election campaigns, but each day through the eloquence eloquence of your own example. And please know this, all of you have helped make me a better broadcaster and a better person. And I am, believe it or not, keenly aware of my faults for the times when I was rude or arrogant or talked too much or took too much for granted. I own those moments, and I apologize for them. But after nine years, I leave with a full heart and great contentment. I'm proud that I showed up every day and gave it my best. Thank you for joining me on this journey. You will always be my fellow travelers and friends. That's it for today's show. It is 9 o'clock on KXRY Portland. Stay tuned and support this radio station. Tom Hartman, up next.